Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to be with you after a fabulous day at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club for the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. Um, I know they had put out a release on how much money has been raised for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA, uh, which is which is a tremendous amount of money. But I'd like to point out the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament has raised over a million in all the years it has been out there. I mean, over a million. And we'll talk to Adam about that at 135. And we congratulate them on another great event. I had Bill and Mel Purdy in my group yesterday. We had a great time. So... Matt got a birdie on 17 again. and Yes, sir. So congratulations on that. Um, I have no idea where anybody finished, but because I had to go, I had a game. So, um, But, yeah, we got Bob Pompiani here in a few minutes. Talk with him. And then we'll talk with Adam Purdy at 135 today. Uh, we'll get to your gripes in a few moments, of which there are many. Um, like, like I don't understand why these trees are here. I mean, it's like they cut the golf course out of the trees, man. Okay. Uh, so Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> you know, just thought I would point that out. Uh, but the, um, the ACC has been talking for the last, I don't know, 24 hours about a Notre Dame proposal to add Stanford and Cal to the mix and maybe even SMU. Here's the bottom line. They don't have the votes. You need, in the ACC, 12 votes to add, and they're not going to formally vote unless they know they have the 12 so there have been no formal votes taken, but there have been informal surveys about how people feel about it. And in the informal surveys, the most they can get right now is 10. Uh, and that's the issue that they have at this at this time. They're, you know, And then there's going to be the issue of you know going to the networks and saying, okay, um, if we add these people, do we get money to cover them how's this going to work that's another issue that would have to be taken up and we're now what five days away from the um, date where everybody has to declare in or out in the ACC and uh, so that's coming up on Tuesday and I mean Notre Dame could certainly help the cause of Stanford and Cal by saying, you know, and we'll join the conference in football too, but your people won't do it. Your people. Yeah, and they're stupid. We'll see. Uh, We'll see. Man, I've said for a while now, they need to join the Big Ten. To me, them joining the ACC does nothing. 
Big Ten is the worst, is the only if is the only conference that they should join. Notre Dame. So Rob sent an email. This was yesterday about game rights. Could the confusion about the rights of the games be because of the disclaimer that goes along with the broadcast after the games? The part uh, where someone says about not using any part or comments of the game without the written consent of the company broadcasting the game. No. Because at that point, those that is the actual broadcast, because we have to do that too on ours. Learfield, we have to do the same thing with ours. In other words, the people that can use our content have to get our permission to do it. So in other words, if you're driving in the car and you're listening to uh, ESPN radio and you hear, for example, me calling a play in a Penn State game, ESPN radio had to get Learfield's permission to do it because that's their broadcast. Okay, When it comes to rights, right, the conference owns the rights. In other words, who pays the conference to carry the games? The check does not go from the conference to ESPN. The check goes from Bristol to Greensboro. The check goes from Bristol to Birmingham. Okay? That's who owns, ultimately, the rights. All right? We have now designated you as our rights holder to broadcast the games. And then as part of being the rights holder, that gives you the exclusivity to the content on the air, which means if somebody wants to air any of the highlights from your broadcast, they have to get your permission to do it. Okay? I hope that explains it. Again, the rights belong to the conference. Everybody in the all the individual schools have signed their rights to the conference. And they've given the right to the conference to then negotiate a TV deal and then that quote rights holder then pays the conference. Doesn't go the, if it went the other way around then the ESPN would own the rights. Hey, here you go. Great. And believe me, you think that's ever happened before? Yeah, it's happened. There have been people that have paid an entity to carry their games. But that, in this case, ESPN, Fox, everybody, they're paying to carry the games because you own the rights. They don't own the rights to it. And that disclaimer at the end is for other broadcast entities. Or, for example, I am, uh, and this happens all the time, I see people throw up, Highlight packages on YouTube. I'm like going, you don't have the rights to that. <laughs> okay, you don't have other people. Here's my personal highlight package of the last Penn State game. Like, you don't have the rights to it, right? It's just, you know, it's once I put the content out there, that's my content. But I paid for the right to do that because I'm giving the money to the conference to do it. Okay, so the confusion over rights is that you. Uh, I know where the confusion over over who has the rights to it lands, and it lands on the side of. Uh, I won't say it. <laughs> I'm just not going to say it. My mom always said, "If you can't say something nice, don't say it." So I'm not going to do it. Okay. 
Bob Pompiani next here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay. Let's get to one of the very best in the business. That's Bob Pompiani as the Steelers get ready for preseason action. Hello, Bob. Welcome back, my friend. It's great to have you back with us. Bob's actually going to call us back in a couple minutes. He had to change spots at the airport. He's he's about to get on the flight to go down to Tampa, so he's going to call us back in a couple seconds here. Oh, okay. That's fine. We will talk to him in a momento, por favor. All right. No problem. But, you know, again, that's what, where people don't understand. Like, the rights belong to the entity. In other words, you hear the disclaimer on the NFL. They do that all the time. We do it on our broadcast all the time. But Penn State retains its radio rights. Then they say, okay, who wants to carry the games? You have to pay a number to us so you have the ability to carry the game. Well, then after that, you have the property of the broadcast itself. Now, Penn State can use any part of that it wants for its own purposes, right? But it's when an outside entity wants to use the highlights or the game broadcast or whatever, they need written permission to do it. You hear it on the NFL all the time. Same story. Okay? It's in other words, CBS, Fox, uh, ESPN, ABC, NBC, Amazon, they don't own the rights, like the ultimate rights. They pay money to carry it and then they're referred to as a rights holder. They've been given the right to broadcast it in exchange for money. Outside entities can't do that, and that's why I laugh all the time. Hey, on my YouTube, look at all my Penn State highlights of the greatest running backs ever. It's like going, uh, you do know that you are violating <laughs> okay, copyright here when you do it. All right. He has moved to a better spot of the airport. I'm not surprised. The great man himself, one of the best in the business, without question, Bob Pompiani. Sir, welcome. How are you, Steve? I moved to a better spot. You never know what connections are going to be like. Oh, (laughs) in the the airport, it's it's like anywhere. It's like, it's crazy. So what what do you want to look for in preseason game one? I mean, as somebody who has the ultimate experience to eye of doing these things, what do you look for? Well, I think, you know, a lot of people will say, ah, it's boring preseason. It is if you're looking for outcomes that don't matter because they don't matter. What matters, though, are all these little battles that you see with position players. And I think if you're a fan of a team, you know, the the Steelers have several of them, starting with the left tackle position and Dan Moore's trying to fend off Broderick Jones. We'll see that. Uh, Kendrick Green has reimagined himself into a, I don't know what he is right now. He used to be a center, then a guard. Now he's catching passes on the jugs machine after practice. So maybe there's a role for him in the backfield as a big blocker or somebody's going to catch a touchdown pass. Who knows? Uh, I think that's interesting to see if they utilize it. They got some really good, big, young people at the goal line with Darnell Washington coming in. We call him Mount Washington. I think it's going to be very interesting to see some of these uh, young wide receivers play. You know, year two for George Pickens, although he won't play all that much. But Calvin Austin, we haven't seen him really uh, at all uh, other than this training camp. And he looks, you know, got tremendous speed. So 
Uh, there's a lot to look uh, for individual progression, and I think we're going to get a better opportunity to try to dissect who's doing well when you see games like this as opposed to daily practices. When you, uh, they'll have obviously these scrimmages that they'll have against other teams along the way. What have you found more value in seeing the scrimmage or seeing the ga- seeing a preseason game? Well, I honestly think both. It just depends on how much yeah. of it you see. Like in this situation here, I don't know how much time. Uh, Mike Tomlin pretty much said everybody's going to play who can play, and I think that's a good thing. Some people will say, "Why are you going to risk Kenny Pickett?" Well, because he's a second-year player who's only had really. You know, 12 games experience, and they got a whole new, uh, you know, offensive line. They got communication issues they got to deal with. So there is value in this. But I think if you watch practice on a daily basis and see some of the stuff they do up there, you get a longer look, a, a bigger sample size as opposed to what we see. Although I think in week two here, when they play Buffalo at home, you're going to see guys in there for a lot longer. Yeah. And I agree with you, the value of playing. To me, you can't get better unless you play. Uh, practice yeah. is important, but you can't get – that's my opinion. You can't get better unless you're actually playing. There's something about game speed that's a big difference. Uh, what kind of read have you had on Joey Porter Jr. so far? Tough dude. Seems like he's, you know, not phased by getting beat. And even though uh, everyone talked about the viral play that George Pickens made, one hand leaping over him, that was really good coverage. He had nothing to be ashamed about. And mm-hmm. he came right back after that and made an interception in practice. So he didn't get discouraged by – having someone sort of posterize him. And I think when you're a young person in this league, you're trying to do that. You don't want anyone to take advantage of you. And if they do, then it's about the next play. How much of a difference have you seen in the offense considering guys like Pickens and Pickett and so forth are now into their second year of running it? Well, yeah, I think you, especially with Pickett, Steve, I mean, this guy, you know, he came in totally different situation last year third string trying not to make mistakes and you know if you play enough sports if you're trying not to make a mistake chances are you will and I think that's going to be one of the big storylines of this uh, preseason how much are they willing to trust him in terms of giving him more of this playbook uh, while they still want to do what they do which is identify as a physical run football team but you still have to make plays from play action and if you can get production out of that running game it would help him but I also want to see them give him more responsibility I think he's earned that based on how he ended the season I think he's earned that, how he's played in the preseason. Very accurate. Uh, most practices, he's like 11 for 12. He doesn't miss. Uh, so I, I expect a big jump for him. But I also think it's all tied to how they play early in football games. There was a way that they played last year that kept Kenny away from making the big mistake as often as possible, especially down the stretch. Have you seen them now because they have more confidence in him and he's shown it? Have you seen them now be, quote, a little more daring with what they want to do downfield? Oh, yeah, there have been more downfield passes. Again, though, this is going to be the true test, Steve, whether or not they do that in these games, especially early in games. Last year it didn't occur until they were, you know, they needed to do it. There's a big difference when you expect it to happen and when you don't expect it, and especially if your defense has to be aware of the run game. That's that play-action game. You know, things can change in football over the years, but you've watched enough of it to know this, too. If you win the battle of the trenches and you win mm-hmm. up front, chances are that defense has got to respect that and they, and they could open up things down the field. That, that does not change over time. So, um, so I would expect, yes, to see more of that, and I think they trust him a lot more, and I think you're going to see more of the playbook. So um, hopefully we'll see some of it in these early games. Probably not all of it, but I'd like to see a player or two that shows me that they're going to willing to go. The first play of, of 
practice in this training camp was a 45-yard throw down the field yeah. to the middle of the field, which is something they didn't do enough of at all last year. And I don't know if that was a statement they're making right off the bat, say, here we go, or not. We'll see. Well, how have you felt about the front seven in camp so far? Um, well, I think it depends on Montrevious Adams defensively. Yeah. This Keanu Bennett, you're, you're uh, Benton, you're familiar with him from Wisconsin. Yep. He's like a big, big body. I didn't realize how big he was. And, you know, they, they kind of have all these rookies listed as third and fourth string, I think, out of deference to the, the veterans. But <laughs> I would be shocked if he didn't end up being starting soon in, in this uh, defensive 3-4 with uh, Ogunjobi on one side and Cam Hayward on the other. So uh, I think Keanu Ben's a really In fact, he was a wrestler, and he, he seems to technique-wise have a lot of things going in his favor. So, um, but like anything, you got to get the experience and whether or not we'll see it earlier in the season or not. If not, it'll be Montrevious Adams who's had, you know, been around here for a few years now. So I think they trust him, but they really would like to see the second round pick Denton get it in there earlier in the season. Do they have the potential, in your opinion, based on the personnel you see, do they have the potential to have solid sub packages that are so important? Oh, I think there's no question about that. Um, I think if you look at what they do with, again, this is all predicated on pressure. If sure. uh, The thing I like about Benton is the fact that he could occupy people, which means more of the offensive line has got to be concerned with. You know, Cam Hayward is just defying the uh, sands of time here. He just keeps getting better despite his age. Ogunjobi, the one difference you'll see from him, Steve, is the fact that he's totally healthy, he had an offseason you know, that he could train and get ready for this. Last year he did not have that and was kind of injured. Lost a big contract with the Bears because of it, signed here, but now he's got an extension. He looks much better. And I think if those guys up front do what they're supposed to do, guys like Watt and Highsmith, they, Nick Herbig and other Wisconsin guys look good in this camp so far. And it all comes down still to defensive back play. You know, um, yep. beyond beyond Porter, they lost Trice already to the IR. Patrick Peterson seems to be rejuvenated. So, you know, it depends on injury. It depends on who can step up. Uh, in positions that don't have as much depth as some others. Bob, we'll let you go. Appreciate it very much. Looking forward to the broadcast. You always are brilliant, Evan. Thanks so much. Steve, I really appreciate it. Always an honor to be on with you, and uh, wish you well this season as well. Should be a fun year, and all of a sudden it's here. I can't believe it. Christmas is right around the corner. At least we get to finally talk about games. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> practice is practice. Some guys say, well, how's they look? I say, they look big and sweaty. Check back with me. <laughs> Bob, thanks so much. Safe trip. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. <laughs> Bob Pompiani. Adam Purdy in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory with great warranties. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee and a terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Do we have Adam yet? We are ready. 
Good. And Adam Purdy joins us after yesterday's major success with the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. Adam, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hey, Steve, thank you. Appreciate you guys showing up again year after year, and hope you had a good time. Oh, I had a fabulous time yesterday. I mean, I, 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 as much fun as I've had uh, uh, playing a golf tournament I had yesterday. I want to yeah. make one quick uh, addendum to uh, they put out a release about how much money has been raised for the, the YMCA over the years, which is a huge amount. But in reality, the totality of the Purdy Memorial Golf Term has now raised over a million dollars, including a lot for the hospital and so forth along the way. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's something that needs to be pointed out, that you've raised over that million-dollar mark giving back to the community. How important has all of that been, and what does that just the pure number tell about the, the commitment to the community? Yeah, I mean, it's tremendous. I mean, it's it's great not only for the tournament we host now that supports the YMCA, but all the support we've had over the past when we um, when the monies went toward the Summary Community Hospital. But you know, as we've talked about in the past, I think it speaks volumes about the community and how tight knit our our uh, you know community is here, and how giving everybody is to be able to raise that kind of money and to do it over a. You know, this is our 32nd annual event, so to, to be able to raise that kind of money over that period of time just is, in my opinion, is tremendous. Um, you know, and, and it's benefited uh, not only those two organizations, but everybody within the community that was getting services either from the hospital or now from the YMCA where all of the monies go toward. Everybody since COVID has been in bounce-back mode, uh, you know, because events were canceled, postponed, whatever. What has it told you about the way this tournament has not only bounced back, but seems stronger than ever post-COVID? Yeah, I think COVID, I think did, the main thing COVID did for us, I think, is it helped us to operate maybe a little bit leaner. We were able to still get everybody in that, that has participated in the past, and we've moved it down to a, a single um, a single flight format where we just do one grouping. We had we had 34 teams join us yesterday, so we had 30 or 136 golfers throughout the day, um, and you know it's just it's great to, again to see that many people come back. And even even during COVID, when things were slowed down, we still had I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 teams that first year, but slowly gained back up to it. Where the last two years we've been at, at capacity for a you know one one play tournament, which you know we have two teams on almost every single hole and to get that many people to come out and be that willing to give up their time and their resources to to contribute to this event just is it's amazing the planning of course takes a while to do something like this it's just not like you don't just flip a switch and they play who have been a couple of critical people to you that have really helped in the organization and the ramp up to this because it takes a period of time to do something like this yeah, so we have we have a great committee um, of, of not only myself, but we have Steve Engel from my office who um, previously was in, involved with the board of directors at the Y. We have the CEO, Bonnie McDowell. She does a great job of spearing everything. Um, Katrina and Angela and Ron Marshall uh, from the YMCA are, are instrumental as well. And we have some other committee members. Members, my my aunt Michelle helps in gathering up a lot of our prizes, um, and Tom Mertz from Sunbury Motors is always always giving up his time and input to help us out and in, in planning and with his contributions to the event as well. Yeah, all all really important along the way, and that's it. It's it takes a, it takes a lot. 
uh, to do something like that. For you in your role, can I explain your role in all of this? Because you give credit to everybody else. Yeah. Well, I've got, uh, I guess I've, I've got the title of golf committee chair, um, but I, I've got, you know, I, I, I help run the meetings, but I'm, I'm, I think, instrumental in grabbing all of our insurance carrier partners, and they've been great over the years. They've, they've showed us tremendous support, um, and, and really just having a lot of those contacts that, that I or people in our family have throughout the community and leaning on our customer base, and we have a lot of really loyal customers that have been great supporters of, of this event year over year. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to say the uh, marketing or recruiting uh, person, but you know, try to do as, as much as I can to leverage those contacts and get, get everybody coming back year after year. And, and we've just been very lucky to have such good success and, and repeat um, teams coming back year after year. Uh, Adam, the day after an event like this, and you've gone through so many of these, what's it like for you? What runs through your mind when you think back on yesterday, for example? You know, because the next one will be for a year away. So what runs through your mind? Right. I usually go back through the day and look look at it to see, you know, is there anything we can improve upon or any anything we missed, um, and and try to go through that throughout the day. And and I'll be honest, this year I thought things ran extremely well and and were were very smooth. I thought the Susquehanna Valley Country Club did a great job with the the golf course and the food that was put out. Um, all the volunteers were were great in helping out and. I usually gauge the day based on the number of, of uh, smiles and happy people you see out there. And, and yesterday it seemed like everybody really enjoyed themselves. The oh, weather yeah. was, you couldn't mm-hmm. have asked for a better day. Um, and, and I had someone comment to me, you know, that it was great to see so many people there and so many business and community leaders in attendance that are all out there, not only this year, but year after year to help support and raise money for the Y. But, you know, they're all there, too, because of, I think, in part because of Truman, they either knew him or knew of his, you know, commitment to our community and are happy to come out and support every year. Uh, Jack Nicholas said that when he started hosting the Memorial, yeah, now it's a professional tournament, I understand, but when he started hosting the Memorial and the Pro-Ams and things like that that, that went with it, He'd be going around the course the entire time. Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this? And he couldn't enjoy it himself. Can you enjoy the day? Yeah, you know, I do. Um, There's a lot of stress and pressure leading up to it, but I try to, I I try to actually put my phone down and not look at at work messages while I'm out there, and try to just enjoy the the group that I'm out with, um, and and just kind of you know take it all in and and have that time to relax and enjoy. And it's. I've been able to do that the last couple of years, which is great. Um, and then, you know, probably the worst part, quite honestly, is the day after. I'm I'm exhausted. Um, <laughs> you know, Monday I have friends that come in from out of town, so we do a dinner Tuesday night. And you're up early, you know, the day of the tournament. You're running around. You're you're you know shaking hands and socializing with everybody. I you know it was it was hard to get started this morning, but um, it's all worth it. What kind of tribute is this to the legacy of Truman? Well, I think it's, you know, just to me, it helps to, you say legacy, it helps to just continue his legacy of his commitment to this community. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm pleased to be a part of, of continuing that and carrying that forward and being able to do something good for the community and, and being able to use his name to do that. 
is just uh, you know it's a it's a good feeling. Happy to be able to do it, and, and again, just glad that we've got so many other uh, individuals and businesses within our community that that feel the same way and come out and support every year. Well, as I say, when I'm you know literally ad libbing the commercials for for uh, Purdy on Mondays, I always you know usually come back to one all the time, and I say, you know what, great pros, the best in insurance, who also happen to be great people. Well, you all fit thank that you. bill, and anybody who was there yesterday would understand that. So thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of it. I enjoyed every second of it. And, uh, Adam, congratulations to you on another great success. Steve, thank you. Appreciate all you guys do every year and, and seeing you over here. It's just nice to nice to have that connection um, and appreciate all you do to help promote the event. And I'll just, just leave you real quick um, with the total number yesterday. The, the net proceeds from yesterday were uh, $24,000. So that's going to be a $24,000 contribution to the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. So I just want to thank everybody that they came out and participated, all of our sponsors, and, and everybody that had a hand in making this a success. And how about that? The number's going up, it seems. Very good. Yes. Adam, yeah. I mean, that's the great part. People are giving. Thank you so yeah. much for everything. Look forward to next year's event. It's, it's always, to me, it is a premier event, and uh, that's why we're there every year. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Great seeing you, and yeah. thanks for having me on today. Adam Purdy from Purdy Insurance after... A successful Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament that raised better than $24,000 for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. Well, we feel like we've had Matt bottled up for the first hour of the show. But we're going to turn him loose after this on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Gene Smith retiring at the end of the fiscal year on June 30th, 2024, as the athletic director at Ohio State. Uh, He was able to explain in his retirement uh, press conference uh, how this played out uh, monetarily with Oregon and Washington. And he said the key is Fox came to the table with the money. Uh, He said, quote, the original dollar figure we had prior to Oregon and Washington coming in stayed the same for those institutions that were already in. So there's no change at all. You're not talking about a 117th uh, share. Everybody's still going to keep the 116th at the original number. They said Fox brought new money to the table for Oregon and Washington that they provided, Smith said. said it wasn't diluted to us. See, and that was the concern with this dilute the current number unless you came up with a different partner. The long-term play is that hopefully when we negotiate the next deal, that's valuable inventory. So year five or six, whenever, assuming it's Tony, goes to negotiate a new deal, you have Oregon and Washington in your portfolio. The original dollar figures we had prior to Oregon and Washington coming in stayed the same for those institutions that are already in. So, again, Fox is the one that brought the new money to the table. And so they they say that's what they're going to do. I mean, Fox is the one that brought the money to the table, starting at so that's $60 million more per year initially, topping out at $70 million per year at the end. So it's going to go 30 in 24, 31 in 25, 32 in 26. Um 
and then work its way up by a million to 35 in the last year of the contract. And then in the contract that will be negotiated after that, they will be full members at that point. So that's how they're going to do it. Um, and so Fox is the one that came up with the money. CBS and NBC will benefit from this. The question is, now do you put together a package or at least have the option of doing something at 1030 at night since you do have four options there uh, to play those games in? And I also think it helps alleviate some of the potential problems of scheduling in November with primetime games on NBC. And it, it Look, it's going to get cold in Eugene and Seattle, but the difference is instead of playing at 7.30 at night in State College, Columbus, or Ann Arbor, you would be playing at 4.30 in the afternoon in Los Angeles, Eugene, and Seattle. Yes, in Eugene and Seattle it gets cold in November, no question. But it's still better off starting out at 4.30 in the afternoon than starting out at 7.30 at night. And you have five November games uh, that you would have on the slate, uh, four Saturdays and a Black Friday game. Uh, That would be in prime time. So that helps alleviate the scheduling in some ways. I want to get into the not. I'm going to get into the um, Olympic sports and what I think is something to at least think about. Uh, but first, I just feel like you know, I apologize for holding you back on the show today. It's time to turn you loose. No, I expected it to be, and I would have rathered it to be, because we have two great guests today, so it's all good. A lot of good stuff to talk about today. But Yeah, but you're you're ready. Yes. And keeping on what we've been talking about this hour with what's going on with the ACC and everything's kind of at a standstill now, trying to bring in Cal and Stanford, but, and Notre Dame trying to push this whole thing. That's just what, as a Notre Dame fan, I don't understand. And to me, this is showing more on the stubbornness of Notre Dame right now. First of all, Cal and Stanford are going to bring nothing to the table if, if you're the ACC, and you're not, and the networks are just going to laugh at you for trying to bring these two in to the conference. But from Notre Dame's side of things, they're looking at this. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, they're looking at this as they played Cal, they played Stanford all the time as an independent. So why not just bring them in since they kind of play the ACC Scott? No! If you have learned anything, Notre Dame, especially if you don't join, keep not staying as an independent and you don't join a conference with the way the CFP is about to go, you better have a heck of a resume of wins. And Cal and Stanford are not going to be that, no matter, no matter how you slice it and dice it. So, uh, to me, the focus is still not there with Notre Dame of where the future of college football is going to be. You need to join a conference, the Big Ten, and stop being an independent and make your schedule more formidable so when you do go 10-2, 11-1, whatever, you're actually going to be fully in the conversation because you're still going to be a step behind as an independent because you're not going to be a conference champ and you're going to have to play in the first round. I know it'll be at home, but you still have to play in the first round in advance. So Notre Dame, I don't know where they're think what they're thinking right now of how all this is going. I just don't know. I just don't understand the realm of their approach to this because to me, it's just com- complete opposite of where everything is going right now. 
Well, it's their play as to what they want to do with it. Um, they, you know, they'll be able to negotiate a deal with NBC. I don't know how happy NBC – I'd have to ask somebody internally there how happy they are with some of the games that are scheduled on there. Because if you notice, what are Notre Dame's – like last year they drew 6 million viewers for the USC game. See, Notre Dame's schedule is not just dependent on Notre Dame. It's who they're playing. Because I saw the 12-game breakdowns. Like, oh, Notre Dame's so popular. Well, they aren't so popular in some games. Just like anybody else, they're not so popular with some games. And you play Marshall, eh, you play, you know. I mean, if they, the difference between the Notre Dame game between the draw that would be Penn State and the draw that would be Rutgers or Maryland would be like anybody else. It'd be a dramatic difference. Uh, the Cal-Stanford thing, they have tight uh, connections with Stanford for obvious reasons. Not so much Cal, but with Stanford. And I think they're trying to take care of a package deal. The bottom line is, the way I understand it, the ACC needs 12 votes to say yes. Now, they're not going to take a vote formally unless they know they have the votes. But they do enough informal polling just to get a read on where everybody is. And supposedly the story goes that I think Nicole Auerbach was the one that reported this. They can't get more than 10. And again, who can blame them? Because the networks are just going to laugh at them. Well, see, a lot of this depends on the pro rata part of it. Uh, That's what made the Big 12 so attractive. Uh, And that's um, because the Big 12 in Colorado doesn't have to be integrated right away. They get the full 31.7 right out of the gate. And that's what made it so um, attractive right away. Look, this all came down, all this came down on Friday. You know, we've had all those reports. Hey, this is moving. That's moving. Okay. And everybody's like, and that prediction came true. The prediction came true because, not because it's just been planned for a long time, because it hasn't. Right? They wanted, if it was planned for a long time, it would have happened at the end of the fiscal year. Okay? And instead, what did everybody in the Pac 12 do except? For Colorado, they all waited for the to see what the details of the TV deal were, and then they sat back and went, "That's it." It's like doing a, a basketball game where the final score is thirty four thirty three, and in the post game show you say, "When does the second half start?" That's about when they sat back and go, "That's it." Well, where's the rest of it? Uh oh. Here's here's the one area where the Colorado jump to the Big 12 made a huge difference. Okay? You want to know what it was? The pro rata part of it. When Colorado went to the Big 12, that meant ESPN Fox combined had to kick in the extra $31.7 million to bring them in because it's built into the contract with the Big 12. Well, that meant ESPN now had less money 
in terms of thinking about what they wanted to do with the, the Pac-12. See what I'm saying? They had to kick in, and ESPN kicks in more money than Fox does for it. And that took away some money they would have bid for the Pac-12. That's where it came into play. But you notice, these schools did not leave the Pac-12 until they had the second contract talk. And Apple raised it to $25 million from 23. But Apple did not want a linear component. 